Our scripture passage today is from Matthew 6, 9 through 15. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is the word of the Lord. I appreciate that. Good morning. My name is Patrick Drury. I'm the interim pastor here at Antioch. It is a delight to be with you today. Um, I received a question I want to answer from uh, Emily. Is Emily Emily here? Where is Emily? Oh, there she is. All right, good. Emily asked me this question. Um, she said, tell us more about the, your reconciliation ministry and what you hope uh, God will use it to accomplish. So it's a good question, and, and some of you might not know, I'm part-time interim pastor here, and I also have a reconciliation ministry um, about, uh, let's see, I've been pastoring for 23 years, and about 10 years into that, I was an associate pastor at a church in Iowa, and during that time, we found ourselves in a church conflict. And I was one of the people who was conflicted. There were about seven or eight of us, and we didn't know what to do. We all loved the Lord. Um, we'd all enjoyed serving together, but we were stuck. Fortunately, our, our elder team at that church called a peacemaking team to come in. And what they did uh, when they came was pretty amazing. They, they walked us through uh, a process where they, they got to know us and interviewed us. They taught us biblical principles of peacemaking, which kind of blew me away. I'm thinking, I'm a pastor. I know the word, but I didn't know a lot. I was aware, I became aware of how much I didn't know. They coached us and helped prepare us and then led us through a time of mediation, a guided conversation that was different than the conversations we'd had before. And it was really amazing to me, as, as everybody in our situation, we reconciled, enjoyed good, really good ministry together. After that, and I left that experience thinking, I need to figure this out. If I'm going to serve the Lord and His church, I need to figure this out. So I started studying through Peacemaker Ministries at the time um, and, and worked through all their coursework and then also began to help other people in conflict. So um, I work with a group, um, another group called Crossroads, and we help. Uh, there's a kind of a different skill sets different people bring. But we work together to help churches and ministries and families who are in conflict to be able to find a biblical path forward so that they can honor God, be healthy people, and resolve their, their issues and their differences. Um, I personally hate conflict. I don't like it at all. I don't like my own conflicts. I don't like anybody else's, really. But I love to see God work in people's hearts and bring change. And I get to see that in some, some profound ways. And so that's really cool. And I also love to see a ministry restored or a family restored. 
that's really struggling. So, good question, Emily. That's kind of what, what, uh, what I do with that. And I feel humbled and privileged that the Lord would call me to work in that area. Well, this morning, if you are new here, if you've been around, we're processing through, walking through the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is found in the book of Matthew, and it was one of Jesus' sermons that he delivered, his longest, most kind of complete sermon about how to live in the kingdom of God. And so we're looking at that together. The Sermon on the Mount began with the description of the attitudes that someone who's been saved will have. If we've been changed by God on the inside, we'll have these attitudes. It calls them, sometimes they're called the Beatitudes. This is the way we'll be in our heart. And then Jesus gives all these different scenarios of what it'll look like as we live those attitudes out. Uh, we won't uh, be hateful against people, but we will, um, you know, we, we won't, even in our hearts, we'll pursue peace with them. We don't fill our hearts with lust. We pursue purity with God. Uh, we keep our word. We, we even love our enemies. And then as we come to this next little stage of, of it's about three paragraphs here in, in Matthew chapter 6. The first, the first few paragraphs of Matthew 6 deal with the issue of giving. How do these attitudes affect our giving? How do they affect when we pray? And how do we affect when we fast? Which are all kind of descriptions about our devotion to God. And tucked right in the middle of that is this little section called the Lord's Prayer. When Jesus taught us how to pray. And so what I want to do is today just focus on the Lord's Prayer. Just, just look at that one little thing and pull that apart a little bit. And then next Sunday, we can look more at those other devotions and, and practices that surround the Lord's Prayer. So that's what we're going to do today. Are you ready? All right, here we go. Father, we're ready. We want to hear from you. We want to hear from your word. So Lord, we just pause here and open up our hands and our hearts to you. God, would you speak to us? Would you show us? Just this wonderful way that Jesus taught us to approach you. Teach us, Lord. And in all of this, build up in us, Lord, the attitudes of the kingdom. The heart attitudes of someone who actually knows Jesus and walks with him. We want to we reflect that in everything we do. So, Lord, I pray that you would, you would fill us with your spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord's Prayer is, is pretty well known. How many of you are familiar with the Lord's Prayer? It's pretty, pretty well known. That's cool. Um, I remember as a kid hearing the kids in Sunday school saying, what is God's name? I can't figure it out. Is his name Harold or is his name Art? Because when we pray, we say our Father, who's Art in heaven, Harold is your name, which, which I'm confused. Thank you. <laughs> I have in my notes, pause for the, you know, awkward pause. <laughs> Wait for people to laugh. I don't know. I'm just kidding. Well, the Lord's Prayer has been around for a long time. I actually it grew up in a non-denominational church that was a little bit legalistic. 
So we, didn't, we thought the Catholics were really bad, and we thought the Lutherans were weak. And so this church I grew up in, sorry. And so the church's mentality there was to say, well, in those churches, they recite the Lord's Prayer all the time. So that must not mean much, so we'll, we're never going to do it. So we never talked about the Lord's Prayer in church, which is really weird. So as I, as I came along, and you know, we would come up with like other ways to pray, like the ACTS acronym, you know, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Great. Nothing wrong with those things. Those can be helpful. But we have the Lord's Prayer, right? Let's use the Lord's Prayer. This is a guide for us. It actually helps us learn how to pray. It gives us structure. It gives us information about how to pray. Um, I think I know the answer to this, but I'll ask anyways. How many of you grew up building Legos? Man, I wish I had stock and Legos when I was a kid. <laughs> Lego kits were great. Here's a free parenting hack, by the way. Um, before they, the, you, you get the Lego in the box, right? It has this cool picture on it. Before you dump the box of Legos out, put a bed sheet on the carpet and put the Legos on there. That's like their boundary, because then at the end, you can just pick up the bed sheet and not have to step on them in the middle of the night. But I remember with my kids, they would get this box, have a cool picture on it, but when we dumped it out, it was just a pile of pieces. And we, you know, what in the world do we do with that? And for the, I think the success of the company was right here. It wasn't in the bricks, it was in the books, right? And it would give this the simple step-by-step. -step. Take this piece and put it exactly like this right here. And if you followed the step-by-steps, you ended up with a pretty cool thing. And the Lord's Prayer is a little bit like a Lego guide. It's actually walks us through the principles of prayer. The first time I ever taught on what the Lord's Prayer is, I taught it to kids. And I was teaching a kid's thing in church. So I, so I thought it was like an upper elementary, and I remember going through it thinking, how can I understand this in a way that would make sense to kids? And then later, I had an opportunity to teach it to adults, and I'm like, why, why complicate this? <laughs> Adults aren't really smarter than kids. We need the same basic, like, <laughs> sorry. We need the same, like, basic thing. If, if it makes sense to kids, it makes sense to us. And that's what's cool about the Lord's Prayer. It, it's, it's something that really kids can understand and use. And then it's something like old people, like, like us, will continue to plunge the depths of and learn about for years and years, you know. That it's... <laughs> I didn't name any names. <laughs> this morning, I want to just uh, bring our focus into the Lord's Prayer. I want to do it by reading it as a group. So I think we have the words, would you read the Lord's Prayer? Jesus said this then is how you should pray. Give you this nice and loud. Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, 
Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Thank you. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This then is how you should pray. There's a lot of prayers in the Bible. A lot of them. They can be really useful for us as we learn how to pray. But I believe this one is here specifically for you and for me. I also believe that it's not just a prayer to be recited, although it's good to do that. I think these are conversation starters. Inside of it, there's a process, there's an order. I see five movements through our prayer time, and in those five movements, each one of those things is a conversation starter between us and God. And that's how I want to approach it today. Let's look at each of these movements. The first movement is, Father, you are holy. And the words Jesus said is, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Uh, I noticed in the South, in the South culturally, kids, when an adult comes around, kids call him what? Kids would call an adult man, Sir. Yeah, they'll say sir all the time. Yes, sir. It's, it's kind, of, kind of interesting. I've never really lived down there. When we lived in Iowa, I noticed all the kids in the church just automatic, by default, called me Pastor Patrick. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I mean, I don't really care what people call me. But when we moved to central Minnesota, a little bit of a culture shock, the kids in the church just called me Patrick. Hey, Patrick. I thought, this is weird. It just seemed odd to me, like this is a different thing. There's different ways that we, the way we address someone can set the tone for that conversation. And Jesus says that when we approach the Lord, we should consider how we address God. If we approach God just as uh, my, my friend, which Jesus calls us friends, that's pretty amazing. But if that's it, I just approach God as my buddy. Hey, what's up? How's it going? Right? I might miss something in my conversation with the Lord. Or if, if my view of God is that he's distant, that he's uncaring or uninvolved in my life, then, then I, might, I might tend to approach him like, hey, I want you to notice this need that I have. I want you to help me. And it might just impact the way I approach him. To be honest, I think my tendency is sometimes I approach God and prayer like I'm writing a letter to Santa Claus. I hate to admit it, but sometimes it's like, dear Santa, I've, been I've tried to be real good. I, I think I'm on the nice list. And so I just want to make sure you understand and know here's the things that I want. I want a Red Rider BB gun and, <laughs> and start listing out. And like I approach God because I want something. It was actually studying the Lord's Prayer a number of years ago that revealed that in me, how much I would go to prayer because I wanted something. The way we begin our prayer is really helpful and really important to give thought to. And Jesus said, begin with the terms, our Father. The first word is actually Father. Then the second word is the word for our 
And the first word is the, the Greek word for father that reflects the old Hebrew word Abba, which is what a child would call daddy. Father, dad, daddy, like when a child would crawl up into her, his daddy's lap. It, it's pretty remarkable actually, because there wasn't a lot of history of addressing God as father. He was generally known as the father of Israel, but people didn't call him Abba or Daddy in prayer so much until Jesus came. And it was Jesus' practice to pray, Father, because Jesus is the Son of God, right? Kind of makes sense. He's the Son of God. He calls him Father. But when he taught us to pray, he said, this is how you should pray, Father, Abba, crawl up into Daddy's lap. Romans 5, 8 says, you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received a spirit of sonship, and by him we cry out, Abba, Father. When we trust in Christ for our salvation, and he makes us new. He, he actually, we get adopted into the family of God. And he becomes our father. Like he's father to Jesus. And Jesus calls us to call him father. I know that's challenging for us because we all had some version of human father. Uh, it's no surprise that our father's all sinned and fell short of the glory of God, uh, just like us. And so most of us could, could describe some father wounds that we would have, ways that our dads let us down, wasn't there for us, was, was too harsh, too absent, something. And yet, as we imagine, I think it might be helpful to imagine what would like my ideal dad have been? If, if I could... Imagine an ideal father. Well, I want to tell you, God is that and better. And he invites us to view him as father. It's pretty remarkable. But not just as father. Our father in heaven, hallowed or holy, is your name. He calls us also to recognize that he is holy that he's set apart, he's perfect, he's unique and different. He's in heaven, he is working on good things. And he calls us to see him in both ways. When, when I go to God because there's a need, I want something or there's a need, and I just rush in and dump that need on him, I kind of miss something. When, I, when I, my heart wants to do that, I actually, what, what I do, what helps me is, I remember the Lord's Prayer, I'll recite it out loud in my mind, out loud in my mind, sometimes out loud, sometimes in my mind, and then I, and then I, I let the conversation starters play out. <sighs> Father in heaven, holy is your name. Talk to him about who he is, who he is to me. 
It's a pretty amazing balance. By the way, God being holy, we cannot walk into his presence. God being Father, we get to crawl up into his lap. Praise God for our salvation in Jesus. It's pretty awesome, to say the least. So we start by addressing God properly. And then the second movement of prayer is to say that your will is more important than mine. Or as Jesus put it, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm, I'm switching, by the way, a little bit intentionally. I know the prayer is all in the plural, we, us, and our. I'm switching it a little bit to the singular because I think, I think we need to wrestle with this individually a little bit. We need to understand how this works in our hearts and then we, we, this prayer becomes more useful to us corporately. Uh, if you're parents, imagine what it would be like if one of your kids walked in the room, sat down on the floor in front of you, and just said, Mom, Dad, what do you want? <laughs> What's important to you? Help me understand. Your will. <laughs> I, I take it that's not a common experience. I wonder if God chuckled a little bit too. Like, oh, that would be really nice if we would do that when we approach him. Just to come and sit at his feet and just say, God, what do you want? What is important to you? What is your will? Because I'll tell you mine real quick. I got a lot of things that are important to me, and that's what I came here to talk about. But if we pause and say, Father, what's your will? And sometimes we think of the will of God as like the, a, a blank whiteboard. Like it's clean. I don't have a clue what God's will is because I have this narrow focus on like what I want to know. Should I take this job or not? Or should I, you know? But the, the whiteboard's pretty full. From the word of God, of what God's will is, we know a lot about what's important to God. We know a lot about it. I mean, the, the word of God, some of it's really super clear. Like, like in 1 Timothy 2, it says it is uh, God's will that all people be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. What's God's will in terms of, of a relationship? Well, God's will is that the other person be saved. My coworker, my neighbor, my relative. So whatever I'm wanting to know about needs to be in the context of me cooperating with God's will for their salvation. So we, we want to keep, this has to be anchored in a growing knowledge of the word of God so that we know more and more of what his will is he's already told us. And then we can sit and let, us in, let him inform us more. Because his will is more important than mine. This is about yielding. Prayer isn't about pushing my wants on God. It's about yielding my wants to God. About submitting to his wants and desires in my life. Well, finally, we come to the third movement of prayer, which is the one we've all been waiting for. <laughs> Give us today our daily bread. 
Right? Meet our needs, Lord. I, I came to prayer because I want something. I need something, and that's good. We're to bring our supplications and requests before the Lord. What is it that you pray for when you pray? What are the things that prompt you to prayer? Sometimes we pray because of uh, our, uh, we're going to travel because there's a health need and we want healing. Sometimes it's, a, it's an actual need for daily bread, maybe. Um, we have a lot of different reasons when we come, but I'm struck by this model prayer, give us today our daily bread. <laughs> that's, a, that's less than I want. I mean, it's good. That's good. The, the phrase actually means, give, give us today the bread we need for today. In the Jewish tradition, they would pray in the morning, Lord, give us our bread for today. And then at night, they would pray, Lord, would you give us our bread for tomorrow? It's a pretty, it's a pretty small request for, for us, because I want all kinds of other things. But it's not a small request for people who don't have food for today. This is a challenge because my pantry's pretty full. I've got food at home. We, we overspent our grocery budget last month by about 40, 50 bucks. That's okay. We can afford to do that. It's okay. We're not going to starve. But there are people who don't have. I mean, Darius just gave us a description about the growing grocery ministry. That's a little convicting to me because when I pray the Lord's Prayer, I, I, I'm not going to be able to get around that and think, well, give me my daily bread. Well, I kind of already had it, but someone else don't, doesn't. So Lord, would you give someone else their daily bread? And how would you use me to help answer that prayer? And all of that takes the focus off of the thing that I want that sometimes takes center stage in my life. Um, God does care about the things in our life, but he wants us to keep perspective on our wants and needs as he provides for us. After we make our requests known to the Lord, we move to this fourth movement of prayer, um, which I don't like very well. Forgive like I do. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. I don't, I don't fully understand this. I don't want God to act like me. I want to act more like God. Why would I want God to be more like me? Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm supposed to ask God, forgive me for my debts as I forgive other people who are indebted to me? I don't like it. I have to be honest, I don't fully understand it. I mean, what it shows me is that God wants me to understand and live out the gospel. It shows me that forgiveness is a big deal to the Lord. If this is supposed to be in every prayer, or this is supposed to be in every day, we should be praying about this and praying about it this way. I mean, I, it, it's, uh, it's a little bit confusing to me 
that he would ask me to pray that he would forgive like I do. Does that make sense to you? <laughs> because I want to I want to know that I'm completely fully forgiven and then Lord help me also to be kind of better forgiver too. Right? That's not how he says it. He's already told us, is it okay for you to come and to church and give your tithes and offerings while you're holding a grudge against other people? He just told us that, just back up a little bit, inside of the Lord's Prayer, or inside of the Sermon on the Mount. He says, no, set that aside and go pursue reconciliation. See what that would look like. See if there's opportunity there. Then come and give your gift at the altar. This is a big deal to God. And just as I would be about to say, well, Jesus is using a rhetorical method called hyperbole. He's, he's overstating something so that make sure we would get the point. And just as I would be about to do that, he literally comes back to these words in the two verses following the Lord's Prayer, and he doubles down by saying... In verses 14 and 15, if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And he doubles down again. If you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. I don't know what to do with that. I grew up learning that God loves us unconditionally. Which means he'd forgive us, right? When we ask. And that's actually true. When, when, you, when you come to a passage like this that seems to contradict what we think we believe, then we look, open it up and think, look at a broader context. We do have verses like 1 John 1 9 that says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you confess a sin to God here today, he will cleanse you and fill you with his grace and help you to be better at forgiving people. But somehow in this, he is wanting it to be really, really clear that forgiveness is a big deal. And it should be part of our daily walk with Christ. So I would say to you today, we're going to take the Lord's Supper here in a few moments. If you have unforgiveness towards someone in your heart, pray about that. Ask God for help. It's probably not a good idea to take the Lord's Supper while holding on to bitterness or grudge. But take Jesus seriously. Maybe he gives you freedom today and you can come and participate. But man, let these words, ha they're supposed to have an impact on our hearts. Let them have an impact on yours. The final movement of our prayer in the Lord's model prayer is this. Help us to be faithful to you. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil or the evil one. Uh, both can be, it can be translated either way. 
from there. So I'm not sure which one is best. Either one of those, I think, works. The point is, when, when temptation comes, Lord, help me do well with that. Help me to stand with you. Help me to value you and my pure, you know, the purity of heart more than I want the thing that, uh, that I'm tempted to do to sin. And we ask for help. And also, bringing, bringing back to the idea that this is a plural prayer, we forgive us our sins, help us when we're tempted to be faithful. When temptations come, lean into the body of Christ. Be together, help each other. We, we help one another, ask for help uh, with all of these things. With all of these things. We're in a supportive community called the family of God or the body of Christ. And it's designed to help us walk these out. So what I want you to do this week is I want you to practice using the Lord's Prayer. Maybe a good practice would be to memorize it if you don't know it. But just each day, pause, slow the thinking way down and just Allow, just like recite through the Lord's Prayer, put it on a little card or on your phone, and allow each phrase to be a conversation starter between you and God. And see what God would do. Uh, we're going to pray, and then during this next song, uh, we will have an opportunity to come and, and take communion. And essentially what that means is, while the music is playing... Um, there's cups up here that represent the blood of Christ that was poured out for us on the cross. And then there's bread or some gluten-free crackers. And they represent the body of Jesus that was broken for us. And so come up uh, when you're ready during the song. Take one of each. Take it back to your seat. And then just take in the body and blood of Jesus. Think about all that he did to bring you into his family. Father, thank you for this prayer that you gave us. Uh, wow. We'd be truly lost without it. We'd be just ignoring you or barging in to demand the stuff that we want. At least I would. But you've given us this beautiful way to nurture a right understanding of you and and have beautiful conversations with you, our Father who is holy. Lord, help us as we learn and practice and learn how to relate to you in a way that honors you and, and leads us to life. In Jesus' name, amen.